Hello and welcome back to Nomads, you and I. Mark Dunnigan, are you doing all right today? I am doing good. It's a beautiful sunny day. So the only hiking that's probably going to happen from about December 1st is when we landed here and we'll be taking off to live nomadically again, most likely around April 1st. What kind of hikes in between? Probably scripture hikes. (laughs) Yes, and going up and down the stairs to get something out of the law. (laughs) Or... You know, we did, what, a three-mile? We yes. did a three-mile walk last I night. I am trying to do three miles most days of the week, hopefully around five, ideally, because I do have a 5K that I'm participating in in about a month that I'm hoping to be able to run. Now, run, you know why I don't ever get injured when I run, Mark? Because most people would not call what I do when I say I'm going running. Mm-hmm. They would probably say... That is trotting, like my little yeah, honey. a scampering? Scampering, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> it's like, how little can I lift my feet up off the sidewalk in order to just scoot right along? So well, it's your running's not bad. I've, I've actually watched people in marathons, and I'm, yes. I'm amazed of how people look when they're actually running 13 or 26 miles. Like, yeah. wow. yeah. I'm amazed that you can do that for Uh at least a mile Uh because some of the running methods that people have, their own individual methods, do not look comfortable. Well, these sprints, it's like their knees are up to their chest sometimes, up to their chest sometimes. But I have watched the gate of, and I can't remember the book that I read about this guy who ran across America. You don't happen to remember his name, but I was watching videos of him. So... He kind of runs like I do, so... Maybe you can run across <laughs> the America. Thing is, I run like someone who's been running all day, every day for 16 hours a day when really I'm barely running. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sort of the conserve your energy gate. So, yep, but there you go. So join us in Tampa, whoever's listening to this, at the... 5k that's a fundraiser for sacred selection so this is an organization that's not for profit that helps some christians adopt children so all over the country and so it's it's more like so as we jump back into jude we're in verse 12 now all right these are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear caring for themselves clouds without water Carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Whew, that's some pretty graphic language. <laughs> Mark, can you give us some context? What did we talk about last week that brings us to this really interesting verse? Contend for the faith, verse 3. And the faith is what God has revealed to Christians, like the New Testament, the truth, the gospel, the doctrine of Christ. Here's what you believe and practice as a Christian. Here's the truth. Here's everything you need. Then a whole list of, okay, but we got people that are not going to do that, and we're going to try to convince you otherwise. And we have a track record of apostasy falling away from the faith in the Old Testament, and then you're going to be up against people that are going to try to deceive you. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of talking about that. We're talking about people in that category of the false prophet, the false teacher, or the real bad friend that says, you don't need to do what the Bible says. Uh Those type of people are, here's what they're like. Okay. They're like a hidden reef. Mm. You don't see it, yes. but it can rip out the bottom of your boat and yes. shipwreck you. It's a Titanic. And that's the whole idea that a lot of times false teachers, Jesus said, they look like sheep. 
Okay. They look harmless, but they're wolves mm-hmm, in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. So you got to pay attention to what they say. Yes. Look below the surface into their hearts. So he says they're at your love feast. And I don't think that's like a church potluck because 1 Corinthians chapter 11 makes it clear like, hey, if you're hungry, you eat at home. Okay. But I think that probably might be maybe the Lord's Supper. Okay. So here they are. They're one of your members. Mm. They're at your worship with you. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, they're feasting, but without fear. Oh, of the Lord? Pr- or Well, probably connects to the next clause. It oh. says they care for themselves. That is, they brazenly look after themselves. Mm. Their only focus is them. I think my translation said, like shepherds caring only for themselves. Yeah. Mark, this reminds me so much of Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4. It says, Woe to the shepherds who are causing the sheep of my pasture to perish and are scattering them, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. You have scattered my sheep and driven them away and have not been concerned about them. Behold, I'm going to call you to account for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture and they will be faithful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, unquote, declares the Lord. So it reminded me of that. Yeah, so these are individuals that, it reminds me of Second Timothy when he talks about teachers that will tickle your ears. Okay, these are tell indivi- me what I want to hear. These are individuals that basically they're only concerned about themselves and profit and gain and fame and tell me what you want to hear and I'll tailor the message for yes, you. Yes, I'll make you feel good. I don't care about your soul. I don't care about your you know, test, eternal destiny. I really don't care about the church, any of that. I'm just here for followers. Mm-hmm. And send for, your donation to the ministry. And for a comfortable life. <laughs> yes. And I'm willing to compromise the message so that I have a smooth and easy path right. myself. And a big following because people love to hear their sweet little lies. So clouds without water, what's that about? Well, that would be like clouds that come over that, okay, we're going to get some rain, and then we don't get any. Mm-hmm. They, they promise a lot, but they don't deliver. Mm-hmm. And it's, it would be the idea that here are individuals that are always kind of making promises. Yeah. About, uh, so disappointing. Not delivering on the promises. Carried along by winds. Ephesians 4.14 talked about people that are carried about by every wind of doctrine. Ah, yes. that here, here are teachers that they're all, it's the latest fad, and you might say that the body of their teaching is the latest fad. Yep. Uh, not truth, not the faith, but what's the latest fad? And they just hop from one thing. Churches can easily do that, hop from one fad to another mm-hmm. in the attempt to try to get bodies in the pew. Yeah, trends come and go, but a lot of them bring destruction. So autumn trees without fruit, uh, the gap between promise and Mm -hmm. performance. More disappointment, yeah, leaving the souls who had hoped to be fed hungry and disappointed. Doubly dead, uh, uh, you know. Spiritually and physically, or? You know, it could be, I don't know, one writer said that it could be the thought that these people 
they were once dead in sin, then converted, and now they're back in sin and oh, dead once more. I see. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Uprooted. I mean, nothing's growing then. No. Yeah, all hope of fruit passes once the tree is uprooted. Uprooted, they also have the idea that really they have no roots in anything. Like mm-hmm. you, the Christian has roots in Scripture, roots mm-hmm. in truth, mm-hmm. roots with God. The Word of God, But yeah. But this person is... Whoever gives, whoever gives me the most, yeah, that's I'm their friend. Yeah, thank heaven, Mark, that God uproots people like that from time to time, because any every time, Mark, that the judgment happens on the wicked and the wicked are uprooted, whether I mean I'm talking world powers or I'm talking on an individual basis of of a false teacher that's uprooted, every time judgment happens, the righteous are rescued from what the wicked were doing. To well, hopefully some of the naive righteous kind of mm. wake up too. Mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, 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 that could, could have happened yeah. to me. I'm going to get my shepherd. life together. Yeah, follow the shepherd. Then it says, wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. Oh, man. Uh, going back to Isaiah 57, 20 is behind that image. That is, the wicked are always are often likened to a turbulent ocean that's uh-huh. always in motion, casting up filthy scum, littered, you know, just here's all this dead stuff that's thrown up on the, the beach. Yeah. And the wicked are never settled. They're never at ease. They're just always in turmoil. That's one thing. Yeah. When you're apart from God. And the second thing is that they leave a mess. Mm-hmm. So they're going to leave a mess in your congregation. and Your um, heart and your family. I mean, man. Yeah, they're always looking for the next new thing. Mm-hmm. And shame, that's interesting. Here are people that loudly rejoice in and celebrate their shame. That They yeah. just make their shame public. They brag about it. Yeah. Something that should be an embarrassment, something that you mm-hmm. should be wanting to hide. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just throwing it up against so everyone can see it like foam. There are women that hold signs now, Mark, that say, shout your abortion. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good thing. To- Dirty foam. Wandering the, stars. One thing about a star is that one of the purposes it served not only was light on the earth, but for seasons, time, navigation, things right. like that. So if your star didn't remain like at a... <laughs> the North Star, you, you couldn't count on the North Star. Well, then you, you had no reliable navigation. So I yeah. think it's the idea of deceptive leadership that mm-hmm. provides what looks like a safe road, but it's not. Yes. So what a reminder, too, then, to not use people as our Northern Star. Like, oh, whatever he says or whatever this newspaper says or this particular media channel or my parents or my favorite movie star and all of these wandering stars that people are like, well, whatever he says, you know, even like somebody who's very educated or someone who is a thought leader, what, what gets tricky, Mark, is if he's saying a lot of truth, 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 and then he'll say something wacky. You got to know when that's God would not agree with that. Mm -hmm. God is the only one who can be our compass, an accurate compass. And then it says, for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Uh, one single destiny awaits such people, whether that's Cain, Korah's rebellion, Balaam's subversion, etc. And you go down that path, and this is the predictable end. And don't let anyone convince you 
otherwise, because there are people out there that say, well, God's too nice to send anybody to hell and etc. And this verse says, no, the black darkness has been reserved forever. He means what he says. Yes. Then it says, and this kind of goes along with it, it was also about these men or people that fit in this, this category. Okay. That Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam, and that's actually where Enoch is okay. in the book of Genesis, All right. prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones, and I think that would be with his angels, Okay. to execute judgment upon all, universal to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so the idea of a universal judgment where everyone's account- accountable to, to the Creator mm-hmm. and where ungodly deeds and the lies that people have told about the Bible, mm-hmm. the lies that people have told about God, are confronted that's a real old truth mm-hmm. and yeah. that goes back to the book of genesis before even the flood happens yeah so when he comes he's, it says that he will convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds so one of the reasons why we do these podcasts and walk through the scriptures with folks is so that you and I, Mark, and the people that listen to us that before the Lord returns, our consciences are convicted about our own ungodly deeds so that we can do something about that because it doesn't have to be this way. That if you judge yourself to be spiritually wanting and you turn your heart and your mind and your life over to God and say, you are the Lord, I'm going to live life the way that you've said life needs to be lived according to your moral standard, that's such a better conviction because it's not too late. So be convicted yourself, do your 180 turn in your life, and you will not fall under the judgment of God as this verse describes. Yeah, that verse, there are many verses, that, that's a consistent theme in Scripture. Yes. A final judgment. Yes. I think it's even a consistent theme outside of Scripture. That is in other religions, there's that grain of truth, there's that kernel of truth in them, is that there's a reckoning, there's a reckoning coming. And I mm-hmm. think even non-Christians sense that. Mm-hmm. There's a reckoning, or there has to be a reckoning to deal with the evil. So, yeah, you can come to Jesus Christ and be forgiven so that all your ungodly deeds are not brought out right. and that they drag you down to hell. Yeah, we may live in a land of freedom of speech, but that doesn't, freedom of speech doesn't cover telling lies about God. Mm-hmm. And then it says 16, which I think 16 maybe is a little bit of a contrast that even though there is that final judgment, you're going to encounter people that are going to mock it. It says, these are grumblers, reminds you of the ungrateful Israelites. Yes. Finding fault. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea, they find fault with God, they find fault with Jesus, they find fault with other Christians. Well, they're accusers, kind of like yeah. Satan is called the accuser. Right. Well, if you're going to falsely ac- accuse the righteous, you're doing what Satan did. They follow after their own lust. That is, this is not an intellectual pursuit. Mm -hmm. The reason that they're arguing with God and arguing with the Bible Uh is not logic, Uh reason. It is... Hedonism. Yeah, hedonism. I want to do what I want to do. They speak arrogantly. 
Yes. That is, they would deny the judgment of verse 15, or, and they would say, well, that's never going to happen, and God's never going to do that, and, or there is no God. Mm-hmm. And so here's this finite, limited little dot mm-hmm. on a timeline yeah. telling you what the truth is. Right, as if, as if they're omnipotent, omniscient, omni, you know, omnipresent. Right. Yeah, no. Flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage, and that really gets down to the true motivation, is that... It's their manipulators. Yeah, no concern for truth. And we're just going to mislead people to gain influence, to gain money, to gain power, etc. Mark, eternity is a long time to live in regret. It's the longest time there is. Yes, it never ends. And so... We've all done things that we regret. Let's repent so we don't perish and acknowledge what we regret and go on to bring glory to God. Because the thing is, like all of these are verbal sins, right? They're all verbal sins. And he's the one that created every one of us with mouths that were intended to live a life of praise to him and to speak his wisdom and truth out into the world. We need every speaker of truth that we can get, and that is the higher road for sure. Now, in contrast to 16, the people that are trying to steer you on the other path mm-hmm. and deny the existence of the true path, mm-hmm. 17 says, but you, beloved. I, Mark, I love that phrase. But you, beloved. Yeah, you don't have to be like everybody else. You, you got Opposite. a choice there. Opposite town, yes. Ought to remember the words not the words of the mockers or the grumblers, mm-hmm. but the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, the apostle, Jesus selected the apostles. He told the apostles the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them, guide them into all the truth, John 16, 13, and they wrote that down. And that's your New Testament, the faith, once for all delivered. So remember that. Mm-hmm. Remember what Jesus said through the apostles. That's the truth. That's really going to happen. What the mockers and the complainers and the arrogant are saying, for sake of advantage, is an illusion. Mm-hmm. That they were saying to you, remember, here's what the apostles, the apostles already warned you. Yeah. In the life. last time, there will be mockers mm-hmm. following after their own ungodly lusts. That's the motivation of these people. Mm-hmm. Well, and they mocked Christ. So, I mean, if you are mocked as a Christian, counted a privilege, they mocked Christ. So, yes, and we're warned that this is going to happen. So So their axe to grind, their axe to grind is one of hedonism. They want to do what they want to do. That's really what their axe is, the grind. It says these are the ones who cause divisions. The real people that cause divisions are not the people that teach the truth and live the truth. The real people that cause the divisions are the people who deny the truth. They're worldly minded. Their mind is not on spiritual truths or spiritual things. They are very shallow. They are very much this moment, Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. They are not long range thinkers. They are devoid of the spirit. Mm -hmm. They're not inspired. (laughs) They are not spirit led people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are just fleshly and god is their belly like paul said in philippians chapter 3 and of verse 19 well and the fast track to becoming worldly minded mark is pretty easy you can see why god calls it the broad way 
it is kind of the default. If your eyes are not fixed on Jesus and on what Jesus said, and instead you're fixed on what the world is saying through the media constantly and all of that, you will become worldly minded. You will become devoid of the spirit. Reminds me very much of Galatians 5, 16 through 21 that says, you will know them by their fruit. Like, how do you tell the difference between someone devoid of spirit and somebody full of the spirit? You will know them by their fruit, the scripture says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, Mark, a lot of these are in this verse. Yes. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, unquote, Galatians 5, 16 through 21. So there's some specifics in there, I think, to help folks know what to avoid in order to avoid being described as being devoid of spirit. Mm-hmm. 20 is like an exhortation now. Here's some obligations we have. In light of everything that's just said, beloved, but you beloved. I again, love that. Again, yeah. Another contrast. Don't be like the rest of them. It says building yourselves up, which means that we have an obligation there. Yeah. Rather on, than tearing yourself down. On your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. So the Christian has an, an obligation to edify himself and to feed on the faith once for all delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts chapter 20, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. And it's called most holy because first and foremost, it's a, it's the message that comes from the Holy God. Yeah. There's, yeah, then there's one faith, right? Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter four, about verses four through six. Yeah, praying in the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says it's the Holy Spirit who intercedes for those righteous ones, expressing with vulnerability their deepest desires according to his will. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us pray to God. Then it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, hmm. which would be, stay with God. And Jesus would repeatedly say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 10 is one of many places where he said that. So keep yourselves in the love of God would be stay with the faith once for all, Mm -hmm. delivered, Mm -hmm. teach it, and live it and practice it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting contrast, you know, in Romans 8, 38 through 39, It says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So nothing outside of ourselves can separate us from the love of God, right? Because right in in the Old Testament, it says your sins have caused a separation between you and your God. So it's only things within us that can result in our being separated from the love of God. So we have that choice. Then it says, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to eternal life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not the first generation that was told to wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus often likened disciples to men waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast. Mm-hmm. 
And so and it's like are, a feeling of looking forward to, right? Yeah. And it's a wise waiting where you're being, you're, you're praying, you're obeying, you do what you need to do. You are living the Christian life so that you're always prepared because the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. When you do that, you can look forward to eternal life. And in fact, those who love God have everything to look forward to. It's interesting, the next verse, it's kind of like get your life vest on first or Mm. like in a plane, like make sure you can get oxygen and therefore you can help the person next to you. And so it's build up yourselves and keep yourselves in love of God and be praying. Yes. And then it kind of shifts to I see. have mercy on some who are doubting. Is if you do that, then once you are rooted and grounded, you'll be able to help people that maybe are coming under the influence of some of these dangerous doctrines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remind them of what God said. That's that's what it is to have mercy on some who are doubting. Remind them of what God has said. Just like we've already stated, God means what he says. And he says he will be treated as holy. And we treat him as holy by imitating his holiness. So be patient with them. Answer their questions. Yeah. Seek to teach them. Second yes. Timothy 2, 24 through 26 is a great section on that. But then it says in 23, save others, snatching them out of the fire. There's a major sense of urgency. Definitely. And so here's here's a different group. This is something further than doubt. This is, a, this is a lot further down the road. These are people that are actually in danger of damnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is someone that is going down the wrong path mm-hmm. and we cannot just naively say well somebody else will talk to them yeah or maybe it'll just all work uh, out they're just or, going through a little time right now it just reminds me of where the angels literally pulled lot oh, right, out of right. sodom before it was destroyed yeah there's so many times where we have to act swiftly and decisively with boldness and directness in our communications with the people that we love that have entangled themselves in sin so definitely that's not a token effort in that passage on some have mercy with fear maybe the fear might be you will encounter people that are in sin and maybe the fear should be first of all i need to make sure i don't get sucked into into this as well right but also sometimes when you encounter people that have gone off into the world and see the price that you've, they've paid for it and how it's maybe destroyed their lives or their thinking or their brain or their marriage, etc. that you get a new sense of the real danger of sin. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 talks about helping people out, but it's like, okay, but man, keep an eye on yourself so that you're not tempted in the process. It's like a physician that's dealing with an infectious disease. Yeah. Make sure you don't catch it. Good point. And the other thing at play here, too, about with this phrase, have mercy with fear, is when we expose ourselves, especially long term, to the sin that's around us, we can build a little bit of a desensitization for the sin. Like we're numb to it. We're used to it. We've seen it so much. It's like, how can this be that bad? I see it all the time. No. Have mercy with 
fear. And really, you know, it's interesting, the verses that tell us to fear not. I, I think I read once that it's in the scriptures. Someone has counted 365 times. But at the same time, I know Sarah is said to not be frightened by any fear. It would be there are certain things like don't fear man and like worry, those sort of fears. But yeah, sin, have a healthy fear of sin. Mm-hmm. and what it can do to a person because the thought that you said, the becoming desensitized to it, the next phrase says, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh, mm-hmm. is that never lose your natural sense of disgust yes. for sin, even if it's your own sin. Yes. Never never get to the point like, well, you know, everyone does that, or, or that's pretty common now. Or, and so here's a good example of two things working together that are not opposites. I want to see this person saved, but I'm disgusted by the life that they're living. That's Mm -hmm. not a contradiction. Right, Um, right. And so remain very sensitive to evil. In fact, if you're actually the one in sin and someone's trying to help you, I think it's very helpful if you say, yes, what I'm doing is disgusting. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge it, okay? Mm-hmm. And don't and don't you downplay it. Don't you downplay it and mm-hmm. say like, oh, Mark, a lot of people have the problem you have or whatever. Don't downplay it. Tell me what it is. It is disgusting because that's the only way I'm going to be able to like pull myself out of it. I need to see it as disgusting as well. Well, and it's disgusting because of what it's doing to the soul that you love. So the more that you love this soul, the more disgusted you'll be with the sin that is destroying them. So yeah, we must continue to be disgusted by the things that disgust God. So don't lower God's standard. Don't try to make the terms easier. Don't downplay what they're doing and don't lighten up don't lighten up on the sin because that's not love then it says in 24 now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and stumbling would be the idea of like where you would fall in the sin and fall away from the faith Mm -hmm. to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy Mm, that if i stick with the faith if i stick with the faith and follow what this book is telling me yeah then I'm going to end up standing before Jesus and I'm going to be approved and I'm going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And my standing before him is going to be an experience not of dread or terror, mm-hmm. but of great joy. Mm-hmm. What a relief that he who is able to protect you from stumbling. God is on our side. I mean, this book is a terrifying book to read if you are not in a warm relationship with God. But the same God who tells you the truths about eternity and damnation, if you turn your heart and your life to him, it says he is able to protect you from stumbling. So he is more than anything else hoping that you will make the choices that bring him glory and really lead to your own eternal rescue the last verse says to the only god our savior through jesus christ our lord and so there's the father and the son yes and we've also got the holy spirit a couple of verses up ahead of that uh-huh. be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever and i thought that word now was well i mean when jude writes this just like today when jude writes this the world was godless but that does not prove that somehow there is no God. God and his son reign now. 
and nothing will replace them now or forever. And so this is God's universe. This is God's reality. It always has been. It still is. It always will be. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, what chance do rebels have? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have a chance at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your minds will come to terms with that, accept that, and be grateful for that. Yeah, it's his glory. A lot of times people live to get glory for themselves. They love being their own authority, but all of that, the glory and the majesty and the dominion and the authority, all of that belongs to God. We just need to acknowledge that as being the reality. Well, that is the book of Jude. It is a, uh, some of those books don't skip over it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is an incredibly rich and valuable book. It is like a hidden treasure, a little bit like Paladural Canyon, but mm-hmm. much greater. Ah, coming full circle on that one, Mark. Mm-hmm. You're such a professional. <laughs> yes, so amen, which is the last word in this book. Amen. Let it be so. All right. Well, let's look forward to being with our listeners again at our next scripture hike. God bless.